Good morning, Inspire. How many of you are excited to be in the house of God? Man, it's the presence of God has been really rich today, and I pray that uh, that God will speak to you today, even out of His Word. I, I'm going to jump right into this because um, I got a lot to say in a short period of time. But can we welcome our online audience wherever you're watching from? We're so glad that you joined us. And wherever you're watching from, we pray that the Lord is ministering to you and blessing you today. But I have a quick announcement before I dive into the word. Everybody say next week. Next week, we are going to, on Sunday morning, be having a worship encounter. So that means next Sunday, when we come in here, our primary primary objective is just to go after the presence of God. Pastor will be sharing a word, but it will be uh, much shorter and brief next week. The emphasis and the focus will be on the presence of God. And um, we, we are feeling a real stirring right now uh, to just kind of just launch into his presence. Amen. How many of you are, are hungry for an encounter with him? And immediately following that, we're going into 30 days of praying and fasting. Come on, somebody. And so, as I began today, you know, we've been in a series on, on family, we, your home, your castle. How many have been enjoying this series? But um, Pop called me from overseas and, he, you know, he, he said, hey, you know, you can continue this series. He goes, but if you feel led to talk about praying and fasting. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it before the Lord. And this week, as I, as I sought God, I really... I, I had other messages prepared for that series, but I really this morning um, want to talk about praying and fasting. And so uh, I'm going to do that because I, I want us to even begin to prepare our hearts, not only for next, not only for this week and next Sunday, but the, the weeks and weeks that we're going to be fasting together. Amen. So this morning, I want to speak to you from the subject fasting. Come on, say fasting. But here's my subject this morning, returning to the simplicity of pursuit. We fast for all different reasons. I'm, I'm going to go through this really quickly. Forgive me. Can, can I just go speed racer for a moment? Moses fasted in the presence of God for 40 days as God was giving him the Ten Commandments. And he was receiving the words of the covenant. The Bible says that Moses fasted as he was with the Lord. Then Moses fasted in Deuteronomy 9, 18, 25 and Deuteronomy 10. The Bible records a fast where Moses fasted because of the sins of Israel. You go all through the Old Testament. Ezra fasted and wept for the sins of the returning remnant. Uh, In the book of Samuel, I'm just hitting some of them. I'm by no means hitting all of them. I'm just I'm setting a precedent. Samuel uh, called Israel to a fast because they had fallen into idolatry and compromise. Get this, David fasted when Saul died. The Bible says that David fasted and mourned the death of Saul, which to me, that's fascinating. Because Saul tried to kill David, and by all our accounts, Saul had made David his enemy. That's commendable. David fasted when Saul died. Elijah, the great and bold prophet, right? After Jezebel threatens him, he literally has a mental breakdown. He runs because he's afraid and he actually tells the Lord, I want to die. And God has to bring him to the mountain and he hides him in a cave and, and Elisha fasts for 40 days. Can, can I get, can I, that should give you some hope because even the great heroes of the faith went through dark moments and dark seasons. 
So even while we're fasting, if you're contendle, con, contendle, contending for breakthrough, for mental health, for clarity, for oppression in your mind, how many know that God still heals and delivers that way? <laughs> can I say something? Because I, I felt it in the room. It does no good to pretend with God. You don't go into fasting pretending like you're not dealing with something. Don't waste the fast. If there's an area where you need breakthrough, it's not a time to act like Mr. I'm fasting because I got nothing wrong. I just want, listen, you may just be fasting because you want more of God, but you may be fasting because you're afflicted. You're oppressed by something. You need breakthrough in an area. I just want you to know there have been many great women and men of God who have gone before you, who they had to fast. And in that fast, God healed them. God delivered them. God restored them. Amen. Don't waste you're fast, meaning if, if there's things that need to come to the surface, please allow them to. God is not intimidated by that. Amen. Then, of course, you have a different kind of fast. The widow fasted in First Kings chapter 17. Her fast was completely different. She fasted for the needs of others. She went without so that someone else could have. Of course, we know that Daniel fasted out of a, a consecration in Daniel 1. He said, I'm not going to defile my, my body with some of the things that come from the king's table. Then Daniel fasted after he had a vision. All through the Old Testament, Esther, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, the prophets, fasting is a part of our spiritual legacy and all throughout Scripture. Someone say amen. amen. Then when you get to the New Testament, there's, it's no exception. John the Baptist shows up on the scene and in uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 15, it tells us the kind of man that John the Baptist was. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. That means that from his birth... He was not allowed to have any alcohol touch his lips. It says in Luke chapter uh, 7, it says this of, of John the Baptist, that he came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. He actually took a Nazarite vow because he, he lived a life of consecration to the Lord. But also, the Bible also lo- lets us know he had a very strange diet. He was out there in the wilderness fasting, but he was eating uh, wild honey and locusts. But you know, he was fasting because... He, because his ministry was so important and for John the Baptist was living a life of consecration because he was making way for the Lord. Amen. Then it tells us that Jesus fasted after Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. How many know that Jesus goes into the wilderness and fast for 40 days? So let me just hit this really quick there. I've actually heard people tell me this. I don't have to fast because we're in the new covenant and I have the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit, and yes, we're in the new covenant, but let, let, let think about this for a second. Jesus received the affirmation of the Father. The Holy Spirit descended upon him, and the Spirit is the one that drove him into the wilderness too fast. Amen. Anna fasted. At the, before the coming of Jesus, right around that time, there was a prophetess and an intercessor in the temple. Her name was Anna. And, and Anna, she was in the temple and she was fasting because why? She was anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. All the way through the Gospels. And Matthew, if you remember in Matthew chapter 17, when a boy is brought to the apostles and, and, and they can't heal the boy. They can't bring deliverance to the boy. And Jesus turns to him and says, this kind only comes out through praying and in Acts chapter 9, when Paul, after Paul has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, the Bible says he fasted. I think you get my point. We fast for all different reasons. We fast for clarity. We fast for vision. We fast for understanding. We fast for breakthrough. And all of that is valid. And, and everyone said amen to that. 
But I want to talk to you for a few moments that we have together about what I believe is the greatest reason we fast. And I want to say right up front, fasting is a weapon. It's a weapon. It's, it's a weapon and a tool in the life of a believer to, to, to break your dependence on your flesh, to, to lean into the Spirit of God, for God to have His way in your life, to increase your hunger and your desire for the Lord. And the, I want to tell you, all of those reasons are valid reasons we fast, but here's the greatest reason we fast. And I'm going to pick up right where Pastor Vic left off. I'll just say this. A few months ago, he preached a message on fasting on Wednesday night. It's one of the best messages I've ever heard on fasting. And he ended by talking about this point, And this is where I'm picking up. Matthew chapter 9. If you remember this, this story, the, the, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we fast a lot. <laughs> That's such a, a Pharisee thing to say. We fast all the time. But... We notice your disciples are not fasting. And listen to what Jesus told him, told them. And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Listen, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast. Someone say they will fast. Jesus didn't say they will contemplate it. Jesus didn't say maybe He says, when the bridegroom is taken from them, they will fast. And now I'm going to pick up where Pastor Vic left off. The greatest reason we actually fast is because we are actually, as the bride of Christ, longing for our bridegroom. Let me just launch out to the deep this morning. The greatest reason we fast, and Jesus said this would happen, is because there's a longing in the believer's heart for the bridegroom. Oh, I know he's with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we have the presence of Jesus through the ministry and person of the Holy Spirit. But we have yet to have the fullness because right now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But how many know one day we're going to actually be with him? So he's with us through the person of the Holy Spirit, but actually one day we will actually be face to face with him. But listen, Jesus said you will fast because the bridegroom. And so I want to say the greatest reason we actually fast is because we are called to be like a lovesick bride. That's on the lookout for our savior. The greatest reason we fast is not to get God to do something. The greatest reason we fast is so that we can grow in intimacy with the Lord. Are you with me this morning? And let me just say up front. Israel went through cycles and I think I could even show you in the New Testament where even the church went through cycles because see we're human. And what happens is there are times when God has to call us back to our first love. Because because oftentimes we start out in the simplicity of pursuit. In fact, let me, let me just read the scripture before I get ahead of myself. Are you guys with me this morning? Say amen. amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 through 47. I want to show you something. It says this. Um, if you read the verses above it, it says they continued in the apostles' doctrine. They, remain, they remained steadfast in prayer. And it says in the breaking of bread. And here in verse 46, it says they continued daily in one accord in the temple. Someone say in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, listen to this phrase, and with simplicity of heart. 
I want you to focus on that word simplicity of heart for a second. It says, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This, this week and, this, and here recently, the Lord has really been speaking to me about returning to the place of simplicity of heart. And when you look up this word there, because some, some of your translations, if you have some of the newer translations, it may translate this as sincere. And that might be one implication of the word, but I actually think simplicity is a good translation. And one of the things that this means is simplicity means uncomplicated, unencumbered, without hindrance, without stumbling blocks. But I love this. It also denotes innocence. And I want to say this, oftentimes, I want you for a second to go back with me. Can we go back for just a minute? I want you to think about the early days when you walked with Jesus. Do you remember in your early days when it was so simple? You just wanted to be with Jesus, be around Jesus, anything that Jesus was doing, you just wanted to be there. And and see, what happens is, that's such a beautiful place, but we oftentimes believe a lie that, oh, well, you're a new believer and it's easy, but wait till you live a little life and wait till things get complicated. And listen, friend, I, I'm, I'm the first to tell you things get complicated sometimes. But here is the challenge for the believer is that as you grow and as you walk through seasons, I'm here to tell you this morning, you don't have to lose the simplicity of your pursuit of Jesus. Hear, hear what I'm saying, because sometimes when we hear the word simplicity, we think shallow Or like just, we think of it as shallow or no depth. No, I'm saying this. There's a way that you can go deep in God, but remaining simple in your heart. Okay, I'm going somewhere this morning. Stick with me. And we start in this place where even, but you know, we're we're going deeper. But but there's this radical simplicity in our heart. And when you're reading the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2, you see this radical simplicity. Listen, God is raising the dead. God is doing wonders all around them. But the Bible says they have simplicity of heart. There is this simplicity of we are pursuing him and loving each other. But there's this radical simplicity of Jesus is the focal point. Amen? Amen? But here's the thing, and you see it in the Church of Acts. Let, let me correct this for a second. When we talk about the Church of Acts, we have to start romanticizing it because you only have to get into a few chapters in, and they have major problems too. Read the book of Revelation when, when Jesus is addressing the churches. There are times where God has to call us back. It was true in the, the Church of Acts. They started a certain way, and there are times that there had to be course corrections and things. When you read about the church in Ephesus, when you read about the church at Laodicea, when you read about all the other churches, the churches at Philadelphia, there's all different things. And so what happens is we, God wants us to fight for the simplicity of heart, because that's why he tells the church in Ephesus, he goes, I see all the good things you're doing. He goes, but go back to the works you did at the beginning. Because 
What happens over time is if we're not careful as we go deeper, as we learn more, as we grow. And all of those things are good. But if we're not, if we're not careful, we will complicate this thing and we will allow the, I'll say it like this. We will allow the childlike wonder and awe to fade. And, and three deadly things set in. We can become complacent. Here's the one that scares me the most. Familiarity. Oh, please hear me. That scares me the most that we could be around Jesus so much and get used to him. Or worse, even worse, compromise. Someone say compromise. But you know, I'm here to tell you that the Lord wants us to fight for that place of simple devotion. Because I've been thinking about this lately and I know we go through cycles, but what I'm trying to tell you is I don't care what, where you're at in a cycle or where you're at. I'm here to tell you, you are to fight for the simplicity of devotion because do you remember the early days when you were following Jesus and do you remember just wanting to be in the house of God? You remember those days where, where you just wanted to be around him? Here, here, here's a kicker. You didn't care who was preaching. Oh, I'm about to start hitting some, just buckle up because we're about to go somewhere. You didn't care who was preaching. You just wanted to be around Jesus. I remember in my early days sitting through sermons, some of them were terrible, but you know what? I wasn't critical. I wasn't tweeting about the preacher. I wasn't posting messages about him. You know what I was doing? I was sitting in there and I was so hungry. And this may not even be a good word, but I said, if there's anything of Jesus in it, I want it. Do you remember those days of hunger where we weren't critical? We were just looking for Jesus. We didn't care who was preaching. But it's a, it's a slow fade where, to where if we don't fight for it, that, that, that childlikeness of I just want to be around him. I want to be in the things of God. I, wherever Jesus is moving, I just want to be there. And Jesus goes from, if we're not careful, being the main thing to just another thing. And what happens is our pursuit then begins to get casual. We start to become, we lose a sense of our radicalness. We lose a sense of our commitment. And you know what's the worst thing about that? We call that balance. No. Yeah, you may need to be balanced in some areas, but you are to never be balanced in your pursuit of Jesus. Let me tell you, it's not supposed to fade. It's supposed to get sweeter and sweeter and deeper and deeper and deeper as you walk with him. We allow compromise and complacency to set in and we call it maturity. I'm sorry because my heart has been breaking. God has been breaking me and my heart has been breaking all week as I've prepared for this word because it's so subtle. These things are so subtle. What happens is it's a subtle shift away. And the next thing you know that Jesus is not your main attraction anymore. It's, hey, what can church do for me? Who's preaching today? Why does it matter? Who's singing today? Why does it matter? 
Well, I want the lights to be a certain way. I want the sound to be a certain way. I, 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 want, I want the ministry to be a certain way. I, I, I want to find a church. I want the preacher to preach this way. And, and you know what? I mean, we, 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 we've. I want someone who sings like this. I want someone who preaches this. And I'll say this. Even the gifts of the spirit have become a sideshow. Because what we've done is we say, well, I want a church that prophesies. So you go to church that prophesies. Well, I want a church that primarily teaches. So I'll run over here. I want a church that majors in deliverance. And what we do is we end up making the gifts of the spirit a sideshow. When the gifts of the spirit were never supposed to be separated from the pursuit of Jesus. Because here's why. When you get Jesus... You get everything. Because see, church is not supposed to be a buffet. The church is a table and the meal is Christ himself. And out of Christ comes the fullness. In Christ there is prophecy, there's deliverance, there's healing, there's teaching, there's instruction, there's the fullness of everything we need. And, and the pursuit needs to not be, I'm going to chase this, I'm going to chase that. God is returning us to the simplicity of, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being zealous for the gifts. That's not what I'm saying. Cause scripture tells us to, what I'm saying is the greatest zeal we should have is for the Lord and our master, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And see, cause what happens is when Jesus stops being the draw and it becomes about what can you provide? What can you do for me? We get this consumer mentality. And God says, what happened to the day where you just wanted to be with me? It's a subtle shift away. And it's, it's dangerous. Because it doesn't mean you don't love God, but you can love God and be at a place of complacency and not even realize it. Or you say, my heart used to burn, but now, I mean, I'm just mature. No. I don't care how much you know. I don't care how much you can prophesy. I don't care how many miracles you work. The greatest testament of a believer is the love that they have burning in their heart for their master. I mean, Matthew 7 scares Literally, the fire out of me. Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. You cast out demons? Because you made demons your focus. You healed the sick because you made healing your focus. You wanted to work. All of those are good things, but they're a byproduct of the person. Person of Jesus. Are you with me this morning? I want to say this. Jesus is not an add-on. Jesus is also not the man we use to get God to do what we want to do. I'll take this even further. 
Jesus is not just our entrance into the kingdom so then we can reap all the benefits and forget about him. Because I'm so glad that God restored the revelation of the kingdom in the 90s and early 2000s. But here's where God is bringing us back to. You can know all about the kingdom. You can know the mysteries of the kingdom. You can know the principles of the kingdom. But friend, the kingdom is about the king. Do you hear me? And so I want to say today, I'm just my heart is overflowing and I'm preaching this here. But really, I have a burden for the church capital C in the West because I feel this is where we're at, where we, we, we God is calling us back to the simplicity of pursuit where Jesus is the affection, where he's the magnificent obsession of our hearts, where we're not so critical or nitpicky or, or demanding. But we're just saying, where is I want to be in the midst of Jesus? I want to be in the house of God because Jesus is there. I don't care who's preaching. They can preach on popsicles or pop tarts. As long as Jesus is there, I'm going to sit on the edge of my seat. And where we have found ourselves is this place. The more bored we are with Jesus, the more entertainment we need. But I want to give you some good news. There's a a company that's rising in the church. Did you hear me? There's a company that's rising in the church. There's a new hunger that's in the land. There's a generation arising and there's generations of people arising who are saying, listen, I don't have a, there's nothing wrong with entertainment. But when I come to church, Jesus is all the entertainment I need. His presence is all the entertainment I need. His glory is all the entertainment I need. I don't need anything else. You remember when he used to be enough? God is stirring hunger because people don't want church as usual. They want an encounter with God. And that's not to be critical, judgmental. It's just a cycle. And that's the cycle we're in where God is saying to the church, I believe to the church, capital C, I love all the things you're doing, but will you come back? God brings powerful seasons of revelation. God brings powerful seasons of blessing. God brings powerful seasons of all sorts of things. But then he looks at us and he says, okay, now, now, can you not, but, but can you have all of this? Can I rock your world with revelation? Can I bless your socks off? Can I bring all sorts of things in your life? But can you maintain your radical pursuit of me? Listen to this. I don't know who originally wrote this, but it's beautiful. They said, such is the spirit of revival. The things that touch men and women in an awakening are not strange and hidden things made clear, but plain and simple things made central. Old things made new. The familiar touched again with heaven. What we see in revival is the truth of things anew. The change brought about by the restoration of wonder and the mystery and simplicity. In revival, do not seek for new things from God but seek to see God through new eyes. I believe that God wants to touch our eyes again and restore our childlike pursuit of him. And I believe it's happening. Can I, can I give you some good news as I close? Cause I got to close. Are you guys with me this morning? I believe 
in America, I believe in the West, we are overdue. We are on the verge of a major Jesus movement. Are you hearing me? But see, before we get a Jesus movement, there's a John the Baptist movement. There's always a call to fasting and repentance. Why? Because I want you to think about this. John is the greatest prophet that ever lived, according to Jesus. John only had one sermon. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But what did he say? There's one greater than I that's coming. He said, I baptize you with water. But there's one coming after me that baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he says, him, I'm not worthy to loosen his sandal. And John stood at the banks that day of the Jordan River and listen to what he said. He said, behold the Lamb of God. As simple as it sounds, can I tell you where I think God has us? God has us in a season where he's saying, behold the lamb. Behold the lamb. Because right now what God is about to do in his church and what God is doing, he's raising hunger where Jesus will be the draw again. Where people will say, I, 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 that's great. That's great if Mr. So-and-so and Mrs. So-and-so is there. But I don't really care who's preaching. I just want to be in the house of God. I don't care who's worshiping. I just want to be there. Because I believe God is going to restore to us the simplicity of our wonder and our pursuit of him. Amen. I told our young adult ministry, I want Jesus to be the draw again. It's not that we can't enjoy other people's ministries or gifts or nothing like that. But I don't know about you. I want to be obsessed with Jesus. You see, right now, there's a lot of talk right now about the end times. People are freaking out. We're in the end times. Can I tell you something about the end time church? The end time church is a lovesick bride. Can I let you in on a secret? The book of Revelation is not about the beast. Some of y'all got real quiet. The book is called the revelation. It's not revelations. There's not plural revelation. It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. That means this. If you read the book of revelation and the main thing you come away with is the beast, you miss the point of the book. The point of the book is there's a beast coming. There's an antichrist spirit. But guess what? There's a triumphant church in the last days. There's a group. There's a company of people that are going to emerge. And guess what? The point of the book is Jesus Christ himself is going to be revealed. And if there's a church Listen, there's a church that won't bow their knee to an antichrist spirit or an antichrist system. There's a church that's not going to bow to a beast system. There's a church that remained faithful and said we are lovesick for the bride and we eagerly anticipate. I'm not saying I'm not saying you read the book. Of course, you got to be aware of things. But the point of the book is actually that Christ will be revealed. And so here's what I believe. I believe Jesus is coming back. But I believe that before Jesus comes back for his church, he's coming to his church. Because there's something that he wants to pour out in his church for the world. 
So before Jesus comes back for his church, Jesus is coming to his church. And Jesus is saying, is there anyone that can be like a lovesick bride and get on your face and fast and pray and say, like the scripture says, the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord, we need you. We need you to move in our churches. We need you to move in our families. We need you to move in our communities. We need you to move in our land. We're fasting primarily not just to get something for God, but we need Jesus himself to be revealed. Are you with me? And I'm closing. If I could have the worship team. Here's the scripture that's been burning on my heart all week. Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15. If you've never studied the book of Songs of Solomon or Songs of Song, it can seem like a strange book because you're reading it. And it's a love letter between a husband and a wife. Actually, they're engaged. They're betrothed. Just go home and read it. In some places, if, if you don't, um, if you don't see the allegory, it can actually get a little weird. It's, it's, it's a love, it's a passionate love affair. I mean, they're talking about kisses and hugs and no, I'm being serious. Like it, it is literally a book where the, 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 this, um, the, the Shulamite woman, the woman, and then the, the, the man. And guess what? It, most scholars agree. Yes, these were literal letters, but guess what? It's also an allegory of, of Christ and his church because the, 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 um, lady is a woman, right? That's the bride. The man is referred to as a shepherd king. And they're betrothed and they're, they're awaiting the fullness of their love to be manifest. Does that sound familiar? We're betrothed to him. We are the bride of Christ, but we're also anticipating that day. But between now and then, guess what? God's got stuff he wants to do in the earth. But let me let you in on a little secret. God doesn't want to do the stuff in the earth. He doesn't want to just use us. He wants us to be intimate with him. And out of that intimacy, he uses us. Amen. Listen to what it says in, in, in Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15. They say this, catch up the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. Or I like the way the passion translates it, translates it. Listen to this. Hear the passion in this. You must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. You, he says this, will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. And so they're, they're riding in, a, in the middle of a passionate love affair and they're, and in here he says, there's foxes that are raiding our, our garden. There's foxes that are raiding the vineyard. What does that represent? Intimacy. And he says, there's all of these seeds that have been planted. There's, there's fruit emerging, but foxes come in and they, they, they try to steal it. And friends, that's why we fast. Because when we fast, it is a weapon for the believer because when we come before the Lord, sometimes we don't even know the things that have gotten into our hearts. Listen, sometimes it's just compromise, plain sin. Right? 
That's not, that's not a bad word, right? Sin. Sometimes the fox's literal sin has crept in our life and we wonder, why has my heart grown cold? Because somewhere we opened the door and it started off small, but little by little compromise set in. And here's how compromise sets in. Compromise sets in when you stop listening to his voice because you heard him warn you. You heard him whisper to you, but you didn't listen. He's saying, will you, will, you, will you pray and fast? Will you get before me and humble yourself? Can we deal with the sin and compromise in your life? But here's what I felt this week as I was in prayer for many of us. For some of us, we say, man, that flame of love, it's, it's, it feels like it's going out or it's, it's not burning like it used to and I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't even understand what's going on in my heart. And this is the scripture that was laid so heavy uh, for many of you. I felt like the Lord was showing me that for some it's compromise or sin, right? But for others, what, what has happened is we have just allowed ourselves to be weighed down by all of the things that are going on in the world. You're, you, we've allowed the weight, like right now, let me just, let me talk to you like a pastor. I understand financial pressure and weight. Some of us are walking through difficulties. Some of us are walking through challenges. Some of us have challenges in our family. And guys, those things are heavy. And we're wondering, where's my passion gone for the Lord? And it's, it's, it's really, it, it may not even be that you're in sin. It may just be that you've been weighed down and you've allowed the weight of things to get your eyes off of him. Think about what Jesus said in Mark chapter four, verse 19. He said, when the seed is sown, he said, some will miss out because Mark four nineteen of the cares of this world. Listen to this next part. The deceitfulness of riches. And the desires for other things that have entered that choke the word or the seed. Can I, can, I, can I tell you something? I've watched this happen in my life. I've watched it happen in so many people's life. When we're broke, disgusted, and burned out. Whatever, it, 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 it's easy to need them. But what, what happens when God starts blessing your socks off? What happens when you get some success or God puts money in your bank account? Can you remain at his feet? Because Jesus says oftentimes what pulls us away is the cares of the world, legitimate cares, but they, they steal us away. Or guess what? Riches, success. What happens when you get what you've been praying for? Here's one disappointment. Some of you, your love has grown cold because you've walked through some seasons of serious disappointment and you've just buried it deeper and deeper and deeper and you haven't got before the Lord to allow him to heal you. Here's another one, unforgiveness. Here's a major one, offense. These days, everyone, we're all offended over everything. But you, you remember those early days when you walked with him and you, you, the simplicity was there and you were afraid to gossip about somebody because you had conviction? Remember when you were afraid to say anything critical because you're like, I don't want to. 
You remember, you remember those early days when you walked with him, when you, when you, you had that conviction, oh, I got to forgive quickly. It's a slow fade. And we allow all of these things to enter our heart. And, and, and the enemy uses it and it begins to choke our passion for him. It doesn't mean we're horrible people. It means we're trying to do our best, but we don't know why our heart is divided and God is saying. Will you humble yourself? That's what fasting does for us because some of us don't even know what's going on. It's not until we get broken before the Lord and say, Lord, I've drifted. My passion has waned. I have compromised. I have fallen into complacency. I have become familiar. I'm going through the motions. I'm just going through the motions right now, but I want to be restored back to first love. Come on, stand with me to your feet. I want to pray over you. I ref- you know, you know, there's something that I really want to break off of you this morning. I want to break off this lie. That you'll burn for Jesus in the early days, but they don't wane. You'll get balanced. No. I pray that God would wreck you and you would be a radical lover and pursuer of Jesus all the days of your life. I'm not talking about weird in other areas or unbalanced in other areas. I'm saying this is the one area where you don't listen to that lie. It, get, it can get brighter and brighter, more intense and more intense. It can get sweeter and sweeter. It can get deeper and deeper. And I don't know about you. My prayer is, Lord, I want to burn for you all the days of my life. I will consider it success when I'm 80 years old. And people are not talking to me about my ministry, but how I burned for him. No, I'm serious. I want my legacy. I don't know how you, I want my legacy to be that I, that that I was like Mary, that I just, I did what God told me to do, but I was happy to just be with him. God is restoring the simplicity of that devotion. So before I pray for you, how many of you say today, as I'm preaching, you're saying, Drew, I need that kind of personal renewal in my life. Friends, I know like it sometimes feel like you can't get those sweet, that sweetness back. But listen, let me tell you something. God can restore your wonder. God can restore the simplicity of your pursuit. God can restore that passion. Guess what? His name can be like honey on your lips again. When people say Jesus, your heart can leap again. When people say, do you want to pray? Your heart can jump again. When people say, do you want to go to the house of God? You can get excited again. Don't listen to the lie. If I can have our altar workers, please join us. But with every head bowed. If you're in this room today. And you've never accepted the Lord. And you want to accept him today. Just wave at me. Come on, wave. I see your hands. Thank you. God bless you. Online, if you're watching, just pray this with us. Come on, Inspire Church. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. I receive you as my Lord. 
Help me to walk and follow you all the days of my life. Fill me with your precious spirit. Amen. Now, I just want you to do something bold. If that was you that said, I need a renewal in my life. I want in this season to encounter the Lord in a way where he restores the simplicity of my walk with him. Would you please just come join me very quickly? best way to be with him is just to be with him. Amen. The best way to keep your, your, your fire and your heart going, you know what? It's so simple that how you keep your fire and your heart going, you stay around the flame. You fight tooth and nail and you never allow the simplicity of your desire no matter what level you go to or depth of knowledge or depth of revelation or depth, you don't allow anything to keep you away from the simplicity of being fascinated with Jesus. So with your hands lifted, let me pray this over you. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to pray my prayer that I pray for myself over us. Because this is what I tell the Lord. I said, Lord, keep me close to you. Because I'm human, I have a tendency to worry. I have a tendency to let things weigh me down. I have a tendency to sometimes be distracted or to run here or run there. I have a tendency to get busy. That's another one. Just busy or preoccupied. Father, would you just, in your grace and in your mercy in this season, Draw me close to you. Restore the simplicity of our desire to just be with you, Jesus. Restore the simplicity of our relationship, God. And cause a fire to burn in my heart again. And Lord, don't ever let it go out. God, I'm praying right now. Thank you for what you're doing in your church, God. You are drawing people back to you, Father. Thank you, Father God, that you're the draw, that you're the point, that you're the focus and the center of everything that we do. I bless your name. And Lord, as we, as, even as we go into a church, uh, as a church family, as we begin to fast, God, we give you permission to search our hearts. We give you permission to root out compromise. We give you permission to root out, God, unforgiveness. God, we give you permission to root out complacency, God, and familiarity. Revive us again, oh Lord. Because a revived church will draw the world to Jesus. So, Father, do it in us, God. Do it in us. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you, Inspired Church. Feel free to linger here. Our altar workers are here to pray with you. God bless you.